with your neighbor. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come before you at this time. Lord, we just rejoice. We transition from a from a series study on the Holy Spirit, get into the book of Daniel. And Father, I pray today, even in as much as we looked at the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and there is that sense in which we were all anointed with Holy Spirit when we first got saved. But the reason it's an anointing is because we can pass it on. And whether whether Bible uses the word endowment or unction, it is it is those resources we have in the Holy Spirit through your word, we're able to share with others. So Father, anoint us today. Give us something unmistakable we can take out as we leave here and we can affect others. We ask it in Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated in the the presence of the Lord. If you have your Bible, turn to Daniel 1, but also on our way there, we're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 3. The last days are spoken of three times in the Old Testament, five times in the New Testament, and every reference to the last days up through Acts chapter 2.17 is talking about the last days of the tribulation when our rock, that smiting stone we will see described here in Daniel uh, chapter 2, sets up his kingdom beyond the second advent. In those places, it refers to the seven years before a new millennium, the time described by Daniel in Daniel chapter 9 as his 70th week of years. We'll see that when we get there. But now, Peter says in 2 Peter 3, verse 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And the phrase here in Second Peter does not just refer to the last days before the second advent, but the last days of the church age before the rapture. Paul does the same thing, Second Peter, Second Timothy chapter 3. So from Second Peter 3 to Second Timothy 3 verse 1. Know this also, that in the last days, not for them, not for the Jews, not for some remnant, but for us, perilous times shall come. So Peter and Paul both start us at the same spot, which covers a great apostasy, a perilous time of scoffing at the truth and turning away from the truth. Why? Well, look at verse 2 of Second Timothy 3. For men, here's why, because men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now I want you to notice, I understand, this is just a King James Bible, but you'll notice that after it says lovers of their own selves, it then describes what results after that, and then you have a new verse, verse 3, before the sentence ever ends, because it kind of takes on a new topic. So they'll be lovers of their own selves, which will show up as being covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. But they will likewise be uh, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, which leads them into being traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, And then there is a semicolon so that you will be warned because some of these people will have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. 
Paul tells you from such as those turn away from them. They deny the power of a King James Bible in English and of biblical authority. And I, you know, I don't, you can, okay, where you want to put the goalposts of biblical authority, pull it up from the King James. Where are you going to, where are you going to put it at? Nobody puts it at any other version. That wouldn't be consistent. Can't put it to Texas Receptus. That didn't exist until Scribner published it. Can't put it at a Greek text. None of those existed until they were printed. We don't have the originals. So either you have God's Bible or you do not. But if you have got it and you know it, do not turn away from it because even those who look godly for their professed faith have a facade on the outside. And you know, the shame is even though we see these verses that, that Paul uses here in 2 Timothy written across our news feeds, more and more Christians are in fact turning toward those things and turning away from a certain assurance in the Bible, and away from Christ coming to remove his body and his bride, the church, at the rapture. Okay, wait. Because they deny the book, they lose sight of the blessed hope. So they stop looking for the Lord Jesus to come back for them. And so, so many false prophets give out so many conspiracy theories that people stop looking for the signs of the coming of Christ. They get involved in the conspiracies instead of Christ coming, and they mock and make light of prophecy so that they can mock and make light of biblical authority. And so this is my thesis. As we start the study of this book today, the Lord will return to rescue his church before his wrath on humanity. But until then, we are in for the roughest of times for the faith and for the faithful. So check this. Things are getting worse and worse so that they can get better and better. And the point of my purpose in going to Daniel right now is to show you what to do for yourself, for your family, and for your kids. Bible believers need to be the true preppers because we are commanded to watch. Mark 13, verses 35 to 37, 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. So you don't need to go off-grid in the Ozarks. You need to stay connected to the lost who are around you but you better watch, pray, and prepare if you want to be used. And the only way to stay safe and to stay sanctified is by using God's word. So somewhere in the Bible, there has to be someone to teach us how to live right while in the middle of the mess and the stress that you are in. How to train our children in the face of a world that is hostile to God's word and the gospel. And how to do a work for God in these last days of our own dispensation. So we need to go to this next book study and we need to ask, what would Daniel do? I mean, what would Jesus do? That's okay. But I think what we need is what would Daniel do? How would he and the other Hebrew children deal with the worst times imaginable? They went through the worst trauma that a child could ever have, and yet they came through overcoming the world, walking in the spirit, and defeating the devil. 
And the thing that has so struck me is that we cannot go through a series on the Holy Spirit and continue going through our series on grace and see the things that we've seen and apply those principles in our daily walk for God and yet continue to think that we are victims in the system. Something has got to give to get Christians off the conspiracy kick and out of the idea that we are victims of other men's actions and of global situations. As you know, the matter of personal responsibility works both ways. What do I care what a global elite is doing or going to do if I am walking in the Spirit and I'm personally responsible for my own ministry in doing that? So somewhere this has to happen because we got to pass on to our kids victory, not victimization. We got a whole generation we need to teach how to be in the world, but not of it, not scared of it, but overcoming it. Daniel dared to have a purpose firm for over 70 years in a university system, a corporate system, and a political system encompassing a conspiracy dead set against his God. But you know what? The only reason that the wise men ever knew the date of of Christmas is because what they learned from Daniel and remembered six centuries later. So Daniel has the type of strength you need right now. And Daniel has the type of solutions you need to be applying right now. And Daniel has the type of knowledge about the future and where God is going behind all the conspiracies that we need right now. Daniel was a millennium man, and he has answers for a new millennium. So you thought that the clock already ticked. You thought we oh, we already passed a millennium. Over 20 years ago, we got into a new millennium. No, baby, Bobby, there's a new millennium. And it ain't here yet. So check this, because this explains where we are at in evangelicaldom. The Jewish Talmud cancels Daniel as a prophet, and they take his book and they put it in with their other writings, not in with the prophets, because he is so clear on the timing of Christ's first coming, and they don't want the other Jews to know who their Messiah is. Well, in Mark chapter 13, verse 14, Jesus cancels the Talmud and he calls out Daniel as a prophet. Now, you want to know why that I say that the time we're living in right now exactly matches the last days that Paul talks about when I said that people will deny biblical authority by denying the power of a King James Bible of the Word of God in English? Well, just look. The CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, the ESV, the New American Standard, the NIV, they all cancel Jesus. Because most modern versions remove the phrase Daniel the prophet out of their translations. Oy vey. And that is the cancel culture that I'm concerned about. So Daniel fills the gap between the close of the Old Testament books and the first coming of Christ, just like we saw when we went through the book of Revelation, it fills a gap between the end of the New Testament books and the second coming of Christ. So we saw when we went through Revelation, we tried to do it just a chapter at a time so we didn't get bogged down. I'm going to do the same thing with Daniel because 
Revelation showed you four pictures of Christ's second coming. Daniel's going to show you four accurate accounts of world history. And each one ends not with the arrival of Christ, but the arrival of the Antichrist. Daniel 2, 7, 8, and 11. And this is a funnel of world history because it is narrowed down with each new account. Watch, this is Daniel's countdown to the kingdom. Daniel 2, we'll see four kingdoms, a break, and then the Antichrist kingdom. Daniel 7, three kingdoms, a break, and then the Antichrist kingdom. Daniel 8, two kingdoms, a break, and then the Antichrist kingdom. Daniel 11, just one kingdom, that's the Antichrist. You know, Daniel, it's it's so crazy because Daniel says for the first time in history, when you look at verse 1 of his book, first time in the history of humanity, God's people are conquered. I mean, Jerusalem falls into the hands of Gentiles. Who'd have thunk it? I mean, how could you believe that the God of the universe with his temple in Jerusalem would ever be overrun by a pagan power? And yet, verse 1 says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And he occupies the temple and takes all the loot. But he also brings back to Babylon, besides the loot, eight to 15,000 captives as part of his spoils of war. You know, this king didn't just conquer people and leave. Uh, He subjugated them for the future. And so he absorbed all their best leaders. And he made sure that he took their brain trust and that they were brainwashed in his university in order to rule his realm. So Daniel was one of those captives who graduates college and passes into his career in this present world order because we today live in this same Babylon. And so Monday morning, you'll be removed from your spiritual family in here and you will enter an environment that wants to suck the most out of you it can get. Watch, this is our first point for study. The present world system wants to take our best and brightest and preempt your use for God. It wants to make sure it has you busy about the world's business for the world's profit and that you partake of the world's leisure and the world's pleasure. It wants your head in the world's entertainment and not in your Bible. Verse 3, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Daniel was blue blood. He was royalty in the line of the king. We meet his other three friends in chapter three. They are also likewise nobility. And while the royals have their privileges, they also have responsibilities. So as Christ's kings and priests on this planet today, which we are, we have a responsibility. We have a grave responsibility to the generation that we are called to reach. Notice the qualifications they had to have in order to pass the entrance exam. Verse 4, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored, skillful in all wisdom. Let me just, let me just tell you the seven qualities they had to survive, because this is still the world standard of excellence today. Physical, no blemish. So no physical or mental handicap. Number two, social, well-favored. 
and they were good looking. And number three, mental, skillful in all wisdom. I mean, they were so intelligent, they put knowledge to good use. So, so number four, educational, cunning, and knowledge. They were Renaissance men, smart in many fields. They were polymath. Number five, informational, understanding science. And just like today, their science was mixed in with a whole lot of superstition. Now, this is the first of only two places that the word science is actually found in a King James Bible. And it is removed from both of those places by the Christian Standard Bible, the ESV, the New American Standard, the NIV, and the New King James. And that prevents you from being aware of it, as we are told to do in its second occurrence, 1 Timothy 6.20, and it prevents you from associating it with our present world system of education. Oy vey. As our society has made science our God. And you know, if, I, if we were only dealing with one or two things, if we only saw this one or two times, in terms of new translations versus King James, you could say, well, you know, that's just an accident. But it looks like a conspiracy to me. I'm just saying. Satan has had a conspiracy ever since the appearance of the English Revised Version in 1881. And we get get all caught up in all these other things to make us unaware of this main one. Number six, leadership. They had ability to stand in the palace. Number seven, teachable in the learning and culture of the Chaldeans. I mean, they threw the book at them, and they wanted to convert them, converted to the culture and the lifestyle of a pagan society. Now, wait, there are three reasons that you had a state-set curriculum until you graduated from high school. And if you went to an accredited college, then you also had it in college. Three reasons for public education. Number one, general education, verse four. He changes their language in fine arts. Number two, economic provision, verse five. He changes their diet in order to try and change their appetites. And number three, secular acculturation, verse seven. He changes their names to confuse their identity. Wait, he chose their pronouns. So the state... Either political party wants you to be educated out of the notion of biblical authority and get that out of your mind. Second, they want you to be dependent on the social policies of government. And third, they want you to adopt a culture and the lifestyle of their secular system. You better get woke to this. I mean, we better be woke Christians. You better be woke on this. Because I am defining your world from this Bible, and this will be how you will fix it. Daniel brought faith with him, something that professors and educators in Babylon could not understand in the natural man. He brought his scriptures, the words of God, in his final authority. And he defined everything in Babylon from a divine frame of reference. And all of a sudden, and this is our second point for study, all of a sudden, it showed how life has to be lived to God's glory or else there's no purpose to life. And even the Federal Reserve Bank of Babylon could not mask that. 
So they got a brainwashing experience. The goal was to drain out the old traditional values and replace them with this new, broad, modern set of standards. And the only thing which prepared Daniel to dare the system was his relationship and his understanding of God's words. Booyah! Which understanding he had developed during the time of revival under King Josiah. So somewhere he had a good church, somewhere he had a pastor preaching God's word from God's book, somewhere he had someone who discipled him, which enabled him, verse 8 says, to purpose in his heart. He made up his mind. Romans 12, 2, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that's what that is. There may be some things he conformed to on the outside in order to be subject to the higher powers, Romans 13, 1. But he was conforming, not compromising, and not canceling. Because he was subject, but his heart never submitted. Oh, the learning of the Chaldeans may have been forced on him. But he studied his Bible to show himself approved unto God, 2 Timothy 2.15. So he had to walk like an Egyptian before the king, but he kept walking in the Holy Spirit. The only thing that will prepare you for the coming storm is what you get right here, right now, out of this book as we go through it together. And it has to be done now because there is no more time left. And it has to be done here because we are following the Word of God. I mean, we end up being almost exclusively the ones who know they have biblical authority. I mean, in the area... Us and the ones that will be, you know, all church retreat. And we need an explosion of evangelism, discipleship, and ministry together. And not just shoulder to shoulder with your peers, but you touching someone from the generation following you and pulling them through the system, pulling them through these times. I wish you would get that in your heart this morning. I'm trying to prepare you for the new millennium. So I'm giving you a roadmap to Christ's coming kingdom. And I wish that you would make some decisions today while the summer is still young and while we're still here and while the job still needs to be done. When you are walking in the Spirit, look at what that results in. Look at what it results in. In, If your relationship with the lost does not result in this same thing in in verse 9, in these key times, then you're doing it wrong. Watch, verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Tender love's also translated tender mercies. It's, It's a word for compassion. So what we need is an inner conviction which supports our upward consecration but does not hinder our outward reproduction. Sham and Alaronda should have bought Honda. I mean, I wish I wore my dancing shoes today. I'd do my holy dance right there. You need to be like Joseph in Egypt land because when the Lord is with you, then you will be shown mercy. You will be given favor. Genesis 39, 21, God will do it. You don't have to worry about it. And the first reference to the outworking of that conviction is here in verse 10. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? 
Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Now that's peer pressure. And that's also probably racism and anti-Semitism, but that's peer pressure. That's manipulation. I mean, everybody else eats like the king. King eats and likes it. Why, why plan a menu just for you guys? I mean, your stomach may be sore, but this, my head is going to get severed. Well, verse 11, then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs, Ashpenaz, verse 3, had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Here's what he said. Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Now, pulse is beans, peas, and lentils. That alone is a test for teenagers right there. That alone is a test. No meat from the king's plate, just good old health food these 10 days. And so they bought a juicer and they made smoothies. Verse 13, then let our countenances be looked upon before thee and the countenances of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. Daniel never compromises, but he suggests a way to conform. And uh, these these four guys don't agree to eat the king's meat. They just say, well, look, after that, we'll just leave it up to you to deal with us how you want. And this is the first indication that Daniel's book hyperlinks to the book of Revelation, because in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, someone is cast into prison and tried 10 days. So here are some Jews being tried by Gentiles as a testimony to them. Verse 14, so he consented to them in this matter and proved them 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat, who no doubt were also drinking the king's drink and hitting the king's blunts. I'm just saying. I mean, it was one of those lounges, you know, you just sit around and drink and smoke. And, and uh, you know, this is just English Bible exegesis. Uh, but so you have to have God's words in English in order to get this. But in, a, in the authorized version in King James Bible, that phrase, the end, appears in verse 5 and in verse 18. It shows up again six times in the last chapter of Daniel. And how about you just get a center column reference King James Bible and fast from all the rest? How about that? How, what if I suggested that as a fast for our church as we enter all church retreat and get ready to come out of it. How about you just fast from all the other versions for a while and you just eat the meat in the King James Bible because that phrase, the end, is a reference to the times before the second advent. So in the very first chapter, Daniel takes us by the hand to show us that there's more in this book of Matthew the book of Daniel than just the period of the Maccabees before Matthew's gospel. He is giving us a roadmap all the way to the coming kingdom. Verse 17, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. And that's our third point for study. Oh, the world gives you its secular learning and wisdom, but God's the only one who gives you knowledge and skill and how to use it. So listen, let me learn you something. Science is simply a collation of facts based on limited human observation and experience and experimentation, but that doesn't mean it's true. 
That doesn't make it truth. I mean, it may be accurate to your limited human experience. That does not make it truth. I mean, we learned that from quantum mechanics. Newton's laws of physics. Oh, okay, they, they work okay for us. You get down on the subatomic level. They're not true anymore. And so this is our fourth point for study. Truth can only be found in God's Son, God's Spirit, and God's Scriptures. So because of Daniel's knowledge of God's words, God gave him so much skill in using the world's learning and the world's wisdom that 20 years later, Ezekiel says, only the devil is wiser than Daniel. Ezekiel 28.3. I mean, wow. And you know how the devil was crapping his pants over that. Uh, you know, because he, he already met the wisest man on the planet once before. That was Solomon. And he was able to get over on Solomon, but he's not able to get over on Daniel. Now, I don't know if the devil has pants, but if he does, he was crapping them. Verse 17, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. God gave word, his word to his prophets, sometimes in visions and dreams, but he only spoke to Gentiles through their dreams where they had to go to a Jew in order to get the right interpretation. Verse 18, now at the end of the days that the king had, had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Cap and gown time, it's commencement, but first they got to pass their oral boards. Verse 19, and the king communed with them. And among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all manner of matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, check this, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in his realm. Now there's that Gentile number 10 again. Jews. 10 times better. Magicians, they use incantations and charms and splankna and applied kinesiology and ETF and tapping and EMDR therapy and the like. Astrologers, they direct your life based on fake fate, immutable decrees, hyper-Calvinism, and the horror scope. So it's either you got something totally out of your control that is controlling you. They want you to believe that. Take away your free will. Uh, or they want to say, well, there's this energy force. And if you'll just give in to this Eastern energy force, which is what those other counseling therapies are, well, then that'll, that'll work for you. And it does work sometimes. As a matter of fact, the fact that it works is why God forbade it. Because it puts you in touch with the wrong spirit. Deuteronomy 18 verses 10 to 12. So of all Nebuchadnezzar's peeps, God elevates four Jews and Daniel, the valedictorian. And then from there, verse 21, Daniel continued, even to the new millennium, even into the first year of King Cyrus, even to the new king, even to regime change, even to a new kingdom. And one decision that Daniel made as a teenager Put him on top, overcoming for the rest of his life. So I'm going to stop giving you a roadmap to the kingdom because I want to be able to give you a roadmap for this life and then we'll raise up out of here. This is Daniel's roadmap for your living. Number one, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So the decision that you make in your heart right now, now whether to hear or forbear, as Ezekiel 2.7 says, 
That is what will be carried out in your life. Number two, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Now watch, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 on your handout. Watch, this is why you are given the following command here in Colossians. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. And yet, the Christian Standard Bible mutilates that, and the ESV corrupts that, and the New American Standard eliminates that, and the NIV removes that. I mean, can, can you believe it? They all change your affection to your mind. And even the new King James doesn't know what they're talking about when they translate this verse. Thayer says the Greek word comes from the membranes around your heart. And the Bible says the measure of a man or woman is in what you love and what you fear. Daniel purposed in his heart, not in his head. They were messing with his head. So he purposed in his heart because with God, it is a matter of the heart conditioning your mind. So number three, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Listen, if, if you are old or older and you refuse to be a Daniel example, then you are despising our youth on top of having despised your own when you were younger. So if you are not in your teens and 20-somethings, then you had better be reaching and teaching someone who is. Number four, human opposition is most often best overcome with personal humility. If you missed that in verses 9 to 14, go back and carry it home with you. Number five, God will take care of those who take care of his word. Daniel took care of the Lord's business by following the Lord's words right in the middle of a political conspiracy, and he won. I mean, God will put angels on half rations in order to take care of you if you are taking care of God's mission. Number six, God, God honoring consecration will result in God-given rewards. Your inner conviction to follow God is the key to winning crowns at the judgment seat of Christ and therefore your position in his purpose for eternity. So do not live to please other people. Live in a way that pleases the Lord. And in the final analysis, number seven, having a promise with divine authority, it will bring confidence to your walk. If you trust biblical authority over your own personal experience and experimentation with life, God will grow your faith. That is why we say the word of God always does the work because the authority of God backs up every one of his words. And that's what will give you a calm assurance about living for him in these last days. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I mean, this book, this is where we're at right now. We are the latter-day Daniels, and no other generation on earth has ever had the chance to be saints like us. We are the only ones who are living so close to the end of the church age and the rapture that we're able to serve. I mean, decisions you make today will enable you to serve all the way through until a new millennium, until kingdom comes, until a new regime is established and a new king arrives. 
So this book is going to give us a roadmap all the way there. Even though we live in a world of people who rebel, remove, and do not trust God's words, it is inevitable that your consecration is going to be challenged. It'll be challenged by them. I mean, sometimes you think it's the lost world that's out there to challenge your faith. And so we put a lot of stock in apologetics and trying to argue with the lost. Look, baby Baba, it's mainly Christians, other people who say they are evangelical and and preach the gospel, who are also out to challenge your faith in the words God has given you. You know, maybe you didn't live for God when you were in high school. Uh, Maybe you didn't even start after you got saved. I don't care about that now, and neither does Jesus. Because if we come to the right destination, I don't care how we got there. As long as we come to the correct conclusion, I don't care how we got there. Because I want you here with me in preparation for a new millennium. God, God may not grant us revival through his word, but let it be said of us, we sought. We sought him for it become a powerful instrument in the hand of God in our country. There's not one of you that I would throw out, but we have to have the inner convictions about the same things together. Yes, about the Bible, but also about how we apply it in this life. Lord, this is a serious word from a serious man named Daniel. It was really no different from us in age or abilities. I mean, whatever age we are right now, Daniel was that age once. But he had something in his heart. He had something down in his affections that we need to get starting today. I mean, he was a rebuke to men and women, and yet he made righteousness desired by the same men and women that his life was a rebuke to. So, Lord, I pray this morning for that person who, not knowing what would be said in church today, yet needed to hear this. And I pray that as a result of today, that change will no longer be delayed. Give us an inner motivation to serve you with our one and only life and make us determined to run through the tape all the way to the end. You now know who Daniel is, but do you know his God? Do you know that he sent his son Jesus to die for your sins? And if you will trust Jesus, just trust him based on his promise. His promise is believe on him and he'll give you everlasting life. And if you'll just trust him, you will have that life from him. No other religion even has a concept like that. None. So will you just pray with me right now and say, God, I want to believe. I believe in Jesus today for eternal life. If it's real, you'll give it. I'll know it. The Holy Spirit will confirm it. There's no way that I can actually trust your word without that happening. So God, I trust your word today. I want life after death in eternity with you. I believe, so I receive. Hear Jesus, I give you my life. God, make me born again right now in Jesus' name. Amen.